Code Audacity Podcast. joining tonight. This is the Crude Audacity Podcast. I am Catherine Mills and you are tuned in to the Oil Field Unfiltered with Matt Bauer and making his debut, Mr. Brian McDowell out of Texas. Two of my very good friends. Matt is a regular. So Brian, you are up on deck. How about you give us the whole spiel? Why oil? What's going on? How's life? (laughs) How's Texas? (laughs) I don't think it's any secret that's a shit show right now, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, uh, Texas is good. Just hanging out in St. Angelo right now, just kind of waiting everything out for everything to kind of start back up and everything like that. So just doing some consulting, working on the PhD. So You've been working on that PhD for a while. A little bit longer than I care to admit. That's yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. Really? You going to lock it up or what? Hey, man, good work takes time, you know. Uh-huh. You're also doing it concurrently <laughs> with a master's in reservoir engineering. Yeah, oh, then working. You too. signed up for a master. You are so overeducated; it's almost embarrassing at this point. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's, yeah, I would agree with you. <laughs> so, talk to us about this consulting wing that you have started. I mean, it's about damn time. But like, what? How do you even say the name? Come on, now. I'm from Mississippi. Sabata. So, actually, Sabata. I guess I haven't told you all this. So, yeah. yeah so, I I got on a stint where I was really into spaghetti westerns for for a while, right? What's so I had western. Catherine, uh, really? Yeah, seriously. Is that dirty? What? No, no. No. It's the old, uh, so it's essentially there's the John Ford Westerns, right? With John Wayne and all that, like in Monument Valley and everything. And the Spaghetti Westerns kicked off with uh, Sergio, Sergio Leone in Italy, right? And so they call them Spaghetti Westerns because they were filmed in Italy and in Spain. Well, anyways, so the actor for that was that guy, Lee Van Cleef, who was always the bad guy in all the Spaghetti Westerns. So anyways... <laughs> My real estate company is called LVC Land Company, which is Lee Van Cleef, right? And then the consulting company is called Sabata Consulting, which was a character that he played in another movie. So, yeah. So, it's Sabata. I take Long it you're a fan. <laughs> yeah, I just think it's, I mean, I just think it's fun to have a theme in there. So, yeah. next time I'm not going to name it after a movie because it's really hard to get domain names after movies, apparently. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Or, and famous actors. And so, but yeah, actors, there you go. Well, yeah, so, tell us a little bit about what you do because you are, uh, I go back to the overeducated in both petroleum engineering and geology. So, you are what we call an oil field half breed. What is happening? How did you do this? What are you half doing? Breed. Yeah. Like twice breed. He's half and half. He's half petroleum engineer, half geologist. Yeah, just making everyone mad. Uh, <laughs> so, right now, I mean, honestly, doing a little bit of everything. So, doing mostly spot fire work right now. I'm also doing some bracket stuff uh, that I was doing kind of published on at the previous company I was at. Um, and then working on a couple data projects actually as well. Um, can't talk about that one yet, but hopefully when we bring Ronnie on here by that point, it'll all be released. Oh, um, so Look forward yeah, to then, then the PhD stuff too. I bought a drone the other day, so we're going to go out to Western Slope. So out towards Grand Junction, probably for a month later this summer. They'll take a bunch of drone footage and hopefully build out a uh, field trip for APG. It's coming to Denver next year. 
I'm so going to take the PhD move next step. Going with you? I'm sorry. Are Matt and I going with you? I mean, I guess if y'all want to. <laughs> I'll take all the sherpas I can get, man. It's like I've been just getting fatter and fatter and lazier since I got out to Texas, man. We don't we don't have sidewalks in San Angelo, so <laughs> it's like all those up. Yeah. It has 108 on Tuesday, man. Like I don't want to walk mm. outside in that. Well, good Lord. Well, we are also joined this evening by Mr. Matt Bauer, and I know he's been kind of a regular on this program, but this is his first live stream. So Matt, just tell us a little bit about us. Tell us, uh, we just launched the second Hackers Village uh, webinar. So tell us a little bit about that. So uh, Hackers Village, it's uh, a collaborative learning resource that we've been kind of working on. What the idea is, is to get a bunch of data science applied in the petroleum and energy industry, uh, materials that are out there without a paywall um, for the users. So they can get out there. And if you have the, the aptitude and the gumption to want to go ahead and start adding those tools to your tool belt, that they're there and ready for you to go. So, yeah. so yeah. everyone be sure to check out the Crude Audacity's link page. There is a link there directly so that you can register for our uh, upcoming Hacker Village. and. You know, learn a little bit of coding. It doesn't matter if you're a beginner or an advanced user. We're going to hit it all. And our good yeah. friend George will be teaching the class. Yeah, um, taking on some pandas. Good stuff. pandas. So before we jump into the questions tonight, because I've got some good ones with <laughs> y'all, I do want to give a shout out for the Make Oil Great Again hat. This is my good friend, Miss Whitney Wicks. Check out her website, Rocking WW Minerals. Uh, all profits and proceeds of this uh, hat, all these purchases, go to Oilfield Helping Hands. So do everyone a favor and help an oilfield family in need. Now, to the meat of it. Guys, the reason I have you on tonight is because I want our audience and our listeners to ask questions to engage with both of you. This is the Oilfield Unfiltered. So from your perspective, we've got Colorado, we've got Texas on the line. What's going on? We seem to be big, digging ourselves out of the pit only to put ourselves back in it. We can't get away from the fluctuating $30 oil. And most people have given up on 2020 and are looking ahead to 2021. So what are you noticing around your parts of town? I didn't know people were still looking forward to 2021. I gave up on that one too. <laughs> <laughs> jokes, jokes, jokes. I'll let you take it, Matt. We're so screwed. Uh, They've already given up on right. 2021. <laughs> It's interesting. We're starting to see a few more deals come up. Folks are starting to look for some capital to maybe either add on stuff or acquire new properties or to restructure different items. There's uh, there's stuff coming through. So you're We're not seeing... optimistic? Oh, yeah. It doesn't yeah. sound optimistic when you read the news. <clears throat> well, but that's the news. Come on. I don't care which side, the right or left or the middle you get it from. A lot of it's negative. You know, and, and that's the thing, too, depending on how long this all runs, you know, the recovery is going to probably be a lot quicker than it would be on one of the major great recessions. So that's, that's mine. I'm an optimist. We all know this. I don't know. In order, in order to be a geologist, you kind of have to be. You no, know, when you work up something and you work through and drill a test and ah, that wasn't it. Spinners, they can. No, we didn't lose money. It was science. Not spinners. You <laughs> learn from air. If you don't learn something from a dry hole on something, then you you already paid for the lesson, but you didn't learn the lesson from it. So use it to decrease your risk for next time. 
Yeah, I think it sounds good in practice. The problem is a lot of people don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, Brian. How's Texas looking? Because we're seeing calls for more layoffs coming up the coming up the pipe here. You know, it's hard I mean, it's oil right now. It's yeah. I mean, obviously, it's getting hit pretty hard. I, like I said, I live out in San Angelo, so I'm between like Midland and Austin. So it's mostly kind of field personnel out here. So you know, it seems like obviously the frack hands and drilling crews and all that stuff gotten hit pretty hard a lot of the pumpers and lease operators stuff like that seem to be still going fairly well um i don't know i mean i i'm hearing there's some more jobs that are starting to pop up so there oh. seems to be a little i mean again it's not a lot but it's little stuff here and there so yeah i mean we'll see i mean honestly just kind of in holding formation right now uh to be honest so i think that's good yeah yeah, I guess we didn't get locked down nearly as much as Colorado does too. I mean, y'all y'all got locked down a lot more than we did. Like, I think I was talking on the phone earlier. It's like I think we got there's 110,000 people in San Angelo. We got less than 100 cases and two hospitalizations. So, you oh. know, all in all, the town hasn't been too affected. Knock on wood up to this point. So, yeah, hopefully, you can keep going that way. Yeah. Matt and I are still in an epic debate about the legitimate legitimacy <laughs> of the data. So I don't know if that'll ever end, but I have enjoyed the banter. I, I don't I don't want to put a dog in that fight. I know, right? <laughs> Stay out of politics and religion. Never. Yeah. I'm from Mississippi. We breathe politics and religion. And ignore yeah. science. Hey, <laughs> chill, chill, bro. Um, but speaking of science, one of the reasons I wanted you two on today was because there is a call to return to science in our industry. But what does that actually mean? Because we are an industry with data and we are an industry where, you know, we are measured by our KPIs and getting things done quickly, efficiently and returning the surface uh, back to better than it was as much as possible. So this call for science, this return our, our fight against the funny money that's entered the industry and quote unquote turned it into a Ponzi scheme. I mean, what are y'all noticing? How, how is the oil field pivoting because of this newest downturn? I think you're starting to see a lot of them. Maybe the, you had a good idea, looked at it for a little bit, and set it to the side because you had stuff you had to get done. A lot of those interesting products or we'll call them spare time cards are getting developed right now. So when people have the time to go ahead and go through and prove up those projects. I think a lot of it is now like no one's got the money or wants to spend the money to go do big fancy studies now. So all of a sudden you're going back to like, Hey, we acquired this data like a year ago and didn't really do anything with it. And like trying yeah. to go back to all that like low hanging fruit and kind of yeah. go back and try to squeeze that extra little drop out of those lemons or something. I mean, I think, I mean, but like I said, the majority of the work I've been doing right now is honestly, it's people like, hey, we're not drilling anything. We might as well spend this time to build out our databases properly or get yeah. it all linked up and okay. actually see what we have. Because there's so much like, I mean, Matt, I'm sure you know a million times better than I do how much dark data there is out there. I mean, it's, it's obscene yeah. how much is out there that we don't even look at because no one wants to, you know, top it up from a PDF into an Excel sheet. You Sometimes know, it's, it's not even that. They just don't want to take the time to go ahead and parse it. You know, yeah. And, yeah. You, and you can't do all the fun, sexy stuff with it until you get it all cleaned up, you know. Dude, so. I know. Yeah. It's like everyone always goes straight to machine learning. It's like, bro, you got to like get all the data together first before you can actually go do all this fancy stuff. You know, yeah. it's like some of us got to be in the trenches. Management. 
How do you communicate that to management? How do you let them know, you know, I know you are considering cutting 40% of our workforce, but we still need to go back to this data. We need to reevaluate. We need to come up with something that's more effective and efficient. I mean, you got lower staff. You got to, I don't know. I mean, it's tough. I mean, you have lower, yeah, you got lower staff. You got to focus on stuff that's more important. But I mean, there's always, I don't know the way I look at it. There's always, there's always different fields of view, right? There's a short-term mm-hmm. stuff that's going to kill you. There's a long, you know, that if you don't get this done today, we're not going to be able to make cash flow that we need for this quarter, right? But yeah. there's the stuff was like, if you're looking at, if you're going to drill it out, look at the history of field over 10 years. What's important on just like answering a million emails in one morning versus like taking a day out to go and top up that crap that no one else wants to top up. You know, I mean, you got to think about the, the long run too, you know, it's, I mean, if that's in the business, but I mean, if you're just going to build and flip it, then I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, that's the problem though, is that the, the scheme used to be, you know, buy the sacred quote unquote, prove it up. But really the payout is when you flip it. So y- your pro your profitability cannot be the end game. It has to be the development game these days. So how do you switch? Uh, I, I mean, it depends. I mean, it's just like real estate, right? I mean, Buying and flipping houses or renting houses is the exact same thing as fields. There's just a little bit more certainty in it, uh, a little bit. But I mean, I don't, it's just the it's business world, right? I mean, if you want to go in and just build it and flip it and get the cash out and do it over and over again, there's some guys and gals that have done it that have been super successful. But that's a totally different mindset than mm-hmm. drilling a field out for 20 years, right? Yeah. I mean, you're talking about just drill it, frack it you know, draw it down as fast as you possibly can, get that IP, do as little as possible, you know, don't ever drill a bad well, right? Because then you could screw up the whole portfolio versus the other side is you got to build out the infrastructure. You got to think about the community too. I mean, mean, you got to think a lot of these areas, there ain't nobody out here. You know, it's like I was driving 50 miles each way to my office and just because there's nowhere else to live, right? I mean, and we're not the only ones. I mean, I go to the bar with guys all the time that drive two or 300 miles a day, Just you know, for day. work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't, it, it takes all the pieces, you know, and oh, yeah. I don't know, kind of went on. Well, I think it's a balance. So, and sometimes yeah. finding that's easy and sometimes it's not. So, well, I think really just sitting down is like, what is the exit strategy on this? Do we want to sell it or do we actually want to make money off of this for 20 years? Right. Yeah. Is it you need totally different teams and totally different mindsets. Conventionals for twenty years. I'm sorry. Is it is it possible to take uh, to make money off of unconventionals for twenty years? I think so. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why it wouldn't be. I mean, I if mean, you get that payout early on, I mean, I guess reframe the question: that Do you think hey, do you think we're going to be drilling unconventionals for another twenty years? I mean, I I think so. You know, I I think the size of the prize might not be as big as we used to think because okay. once well interference and all the frack hits and depletion and everything else, yeah. these things are becoming way more obvious now in the last, I would say 18 months to, than they were before, you know, yeah. but there's still thousands and thousands and thousands of wells inventory in the permian, so just the permian alone. This new downturn, I know y'all have seen it in the news and I've definitely seen it across LinkedIn and other various forms of social media, but this is being called the death of the oil field, the death of shale. 
I mean, I don't think that's going to be it at all. You just smirked at me. So you just, you just wait until this winter when all the associated produced gas has gone down and gas prices spike way up, and let's just see what happens. So what is? I don't think it's a death show. I've only seen twelve dollar gas one time in my life, and I think it lasted for a month and a half. Yeah. Yeah, I, we'll I don't think it's a death of shell, but we're damn sure going to the hospital for a little while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's any avoiding that. A little, yeah. a little ICU for a little while. Well, do you think there's going to be a push back to things like the powder and more conventional assets? You know, there's nothing, nothing like Canada or Russia or the Middle Eastern out here. But we do have, you know, some um, what I call American conventionals. Um, Smaller. Yeah. Big stuff's been drilled up. Exactly. So do you think there's there really is a movement back to these field development projects as opposed to well development projects? Absolutely. There, that yeah. stuff is absolutely what's going on right now. I've seen it Lower going around town. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually talking to a guy here in town about drilling some wells 40 miles from here. They're not old, you know, it's verticals on some old stuff. It's not mm -hmm. sexy. But dude, if you, if you got a three person company, I mean, it don't take a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, to make a living off of that, right? I mean, it's what the size it like of paper wells or something. Are you chasing behind pipe? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit of everything. I mean, you're just oh. trying to squeeze the last little bit out of that acreage, you know, up dip potential or you know, up hole potential, behind pipe potential, down spacing. I mean, even uh, uh, Pickering, right? I believe it's Pickering. He, he, he was just talking about it was a couple months ago that they're going out and doing partnerships with like Henry, uh, here in um. Midland, a bunch of other companies, and they're just buying production. I mean, I know some other folks uh, with some money that are doing the same thing too. So, yeah. uh, but it's not like the public, you know, I guess, again, going back to kind of the business thing or the, the business strategy, you can't support a $10 billion company on, you know, 10,000 stripper wells. I mean, you can, but you got to have some higher margin stuff in there too. They've right, done it for a little while. Forget the there, margins. There is one company that was doing pretty good on it until recently. Yeah. Uh, but what you name know, do you want to drop, Brian? <laughs> yeah. <No>. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I mean, you can do it when, but you know, the thing is, is you can only get the frack so much better and you can only get the spacing so much better. At some point, the only efficiency left is time and overhead yeah. right so how do you get that lower you start automating stuff you know getting rid of redundant yeah exactly getting <laughs> rid of redundant staff automating yeah. workflows you know i mean it's sad but it's true i know? mean i don't know matt what do you think on that because i'm more in favor of approaching it from the digital twin not necessarily i mean i know we had a lot of pork in the industry and we have been cutting it like nobody's business but <laughs> There's still opportunity here. And I did see a stat the other day that said 80% of all opportunity across the field and some other industries is just going away. These frivolous, these frivolous jobs, but they're not really frivolous if there was a demand for them prior. So what does it mean to, you know, introduce the automation? You know, but here's the thing, at least the way I view most of that is the automation allows you to touch so much more than you would have been able to do if you had to do it all manually. And there are going to be positions, like if you look back at a lot of the, the big engineering houses and the big oil and gas houses, they had floors of draftsmen 
doing up uh, maps and cross sections and you know engineering designs and that stuff. You don't see that anymore, you know. And it's just another layer that comes in. And if you think about it, if your if your job takes abstract thought, um, if it takes some sort of creativity, none of those are going to be automated. The stuff that's going to be automated is like well, some of your backhouse billing might be, um, you know, prepping reports, filling out permits. You know, that kind of stuff has high potential for being automated. But you still need somebody to do some of the stuff that the machines can. It's not going to completely automate everybody's jobs. It's going to take certain tasks that are very repeatable, and it's going to automate those. So we so. still need consultants? Yeah. Well, lucky Brian. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> yeah, I think... I think yeah, uh oh crap now i lost my train of thought okay no, cool. i mean yeah. you have it <laughs> well let's take that to what's happening across the service side of our industry right now i mean it like from my perspective and you guys have been in the game longer than me it's a bloodbath and it's still that burn and churn mentality we're gonna work them to death get as much as we can out of them and then we're gonna drop them and we are so reactionary in this industry. Can we really afford to do that? I mean, I know there's a call across the global entity for a V-shaped recovery, but the oil field has never seen a V-shaped recovery. So, I mean, how, do, how does the service side of our industry instead of the firm side of our industry survive? Huh. I'll let you take that one, Matt. <laughs> I don't have an answer for that. Catherine, what? How do you answer that? I, I think just dig your heels in, and I mean, at this point, man, it's like I think it's just we just got to sit and wait this thing out as best we can, hunker down. I mean, we're about to lose. I'm guessing a big chunk of the industry that's not coming back. Yeah, you know, and that's I don't know. I mean, it. like I said, like you gotta gotta do the best you can. Yeah. I don't know. That's not, that's a non-answer, but. I know it is, it's a non-answer. Yeah. If I knew the answer, I, mean, I wouldn't be, I'd be. Well, and that's the thing is, is if we all knew all the answers, then we wouldn't be sitting here. We'd be out helping ourselves and helping other people, right? Exactly. No, so. and I agree with you guys. I think, Brian, the answer you gave is the best one that I was able to give as well. You know, like drilling operations alone have plummeted everywhere. And that is such a vital and you know, vast majority of our industry. And I agree with you. Some of these just aren't coming back. So what happens to the frat crews? What happens to the drilling rigs? What happens to, you know, the logging and the wireline and everybody? Like who takes over if we push them into other industries? I mean, it's actually what we did yeah. in the last 10 years, right? I mean, yeah. you know, it's we're all at school and and I'm 32. Happened, and I'm like, what the hell? I mean, call me crazy, yeah. but I'm not pushing a lot of my jobs off to grad students who've never seen a field. No, right, no. But if you don't have a choice, I mean, if you don't you have add, a choice, you don't have to. You add another right. skill to it. You know, John picked or uh, <laughs> Brian picked up another degree. I picked up coding. <laughs> you know, you, you add some more tools to your tool belt. And those things a lot of times are transferable to other areas or they enable you to do your own job better. Mm -hmm. So. I mean, just going back to if there's no one there to kind of pass it on, though, it's like I'm 32, more or less. And then, yeah. Matt, how old are you? You're old. He's 40. Yeah. Not uh, yet. Not yet. Anyway, <laughs> what, I'm, 
what I'm getting at is like we're on the kind of the older side of the dudes and uh, the guys and gals and the operators, right? Yeah. I mean, because we had that kind of 40 to 50 year gap or like 40, 40 year olds to 50 year olds kind of gap from the 80s. I mean, I think we're seeing the exact same thing happen right now. I mean, when I finished my master's at Mines, what in 17, we had how many hundreds of students in that department? A thousand, oh you know, whatever. And now yeah. it's like, I don't even know the numbers now. I think the last I heard is this half or less than half of what it used to be. Yeah, I, think I it's mean, half. we're we're seeing the same thing all over again. I know the what's it the Texas Tech guys? I think or one of the professors at Texas Tech keeps track of all that enrollment. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's the saying. If people leave, like I mean, you, know, you have a choice. You know, same thing we saw in the last ten years. You more, you know, a lot of injuries, a lot of inefficiencies. You know, very young people running very big drilling budgets isn't yeah. necessarily a bad thing, but it's riskier, both, you know, financially and physically sometimes, to be honest. Well, it calls into the question of, you know, people are looking for opportunities right now. People are thinking a downturn is the opportunity for entrepreneurship. But back to your point, Brian, you need a track record. And most of our leaders these days are young. They just haven't had it. They don't have 20 years of experience in industry. So how do we get in front of the money and the new money coming in, the stuff that's been waiting on the sidelines for the last five years because they saw the inefficiencies happening in the shale market and what we were doing globally to sort of fill up SPR and glut ourselves to, you know, disarray. I mean, how do you prove yourself when you are young, you look young, you act young, and you don't have 30 years of experience? You have to publish, do research. Yeah. Share your ideas, network, pick up new school or new skills. I mean, all of the above on that. It's where are you going to spend your spare time, right? Yeah, you know, I, I I agree. Like I'm the opinion. Y'all know me. I tinker around with like a million different projects. You know, I think honestly, if you don't have the, I mean, if you don't have the track record, there's nothing you can really do except just keep working on stuff I and mean, keep working yeah. on new stuff. Don't get in the rut. I mean, like right now, I'm doing Spotfire, learning. SQL on AWS, Helium, Frack Hits, and I don't know, some other stuff I can't remember right now. Oh, my PhD. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, my PhD. Yeah. Yeah. That one's been going on a while, but uh, <laughs> my advisor's not on here. You're uh, <laughs> So, but I mean, honestly, I mean, that's all you got. If you I mean it's a chicken and egg thing, right? Like, if you don't have a 20 year record, I mean, and you've only been in the business two years, there's nothing you could do. Right. All you can do is do a bunch of different things and try to learn from all of those and, you know, bring something, a fresh perspective, which I think is what's missing most out of a lot of oil companies is fresh perspective on that, because we are missing a fresh perspective. Actually, you know, the old models that uh, that is private equity and really only 15 years old. It's not working. I think the joke is that a lot of dry holes have been drilled by private equity. So there is a call in industry for a new type of oil company, a new type of investment scheme. But before I let you loose on that and what that means, a lot of people are asking, what is in your Whataburger cup? (laughs) Oh, Lone Star. Hear that real fast. The National Beer of Texas. Trying to get a sponsorship either from Lone Star or from Whataburger. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, guys. There you go. Uh, Lookout Stout, representing the mines. Mississippi Rosé. Yeah. Mississippi Rosé, is that what you said? Yeah. I didn't know they grow grapes down there. I thought it was too too humid. Too hot. 
Yeah. Throw grapes down there. Well, saying you, you get said like it the, with the Mississippi rose. It's no, it's like, down in the south, we call it blush, and we sip it when we get our hair done. Right, but one of the big things I'm super nerd for a second. One of the big things that you can't grow vineyards in a lot of places is because of cotton rot. I think it's it's a disease huh? off cotton, so you don't see really? vineyards where there's cotton a lot. That's why I was, that's why I was asking. Yeah, that's why most of the vineyards are in West Texas, uh, or or like way out or the hill country, like really shit yeah. soil. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like away from a lot of the cotton fields and stuff. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. We are soybeans, cotton, and catfish, and that is how it is always. Colin. Cotton catfish. Do you know what catfish is? I know Brian does. Matt, do you know what catfish is? The fish. Well, like, have you actually seen one? Have you gone fishing with a cane pole? No, we were on trot lines. See, yeah. <laughs> we go out crappie. I know. We go out crappie fishing and set up your trot lines. You check them in the morning and the evenings. So now, that is drugs. Out to Colorado, uh, some people were like, hey, we're going to go fishing. Y'all, I really thought that they were going to have a cane pole. I did not expect any of those trout lines. Oh, the fly, fly, yeah, the fly rods. What, what are you talking about, Catherine? I'm confused. <laughs> people putting out trout lines for trout? For <laughs> Trout lines for trout. That sounds, that sounds like actually a really good name for a shitty bluegrass band in Boulder. Trout lines for <laughs> trout. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh how far are you from town these days brian from town yeah what do you mean and someone just said that my my fishing thing was a fishing date (laughs) it was online dating it was not (laughs) (laughs) catfishing wait oh i get it catfishing i get it okay wow mississippi i'm from mississippi Okay, so Brian, jumping back into the, the the call for a new type of oil company, what are you expecting out of this pivot? Like, we understand that the old ways and the reoccurrence of the old ways, basically the 80s, don't work anymore. So what is the future of the oil field in terms of management down? I mean, I think right now the near future is mostly going to be acquisitions and bolt-ons. I mean, I'll, it's going to no be clients? tough. What's that? No science? Yeah, well, yeah, but science internally. I guess are you talking about like how companies will be growing in the future or how they be operating? Operating. How how Uh, are we going to make a sustainable oil company? I don't don't know. (laughs) It's a hell of a question. Uh, I mean, honestly, I I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, we're seeing the push to just get everything as digital as possible, get databases, stream it, but automate as much as you can use expert opinion or ex- uh, technical experts where you can't, you know, automate yeah. it. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Make educated decisions sort of decrease your risk. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't, that's not a very sexy answer, but I think that's, the that's truth. The, yeah, no, I think I that's where it's all headed. I, I think that, you know, grading yourself and doing those post-mortems, whether your, your reserves are higher than what you thought or they're lower than what you thought. And what was different after drilling the well than what you, you thought was before. And if we can take those lessons and apply that on a consistent basis, actually get back to the stats and the risk, okay. you know, rather than just success culture. You so, know, and actually going back, Zach Holland commented about having an army contractors. <clears throat> I actually, I actually been thinking about if whether we're going to see uh, a lot of oil companies start moving towards kind of a, almost a gig economy type deal, right? Yeah. Cause if you would need to cut overhead, 
right? Most of us aren't going into the office anymore. I mean, it sounds like most oil companies aren't going to have full, like all their staff in the office till next year, I think. Oh, yeah. I keep hearing. Oh, yeah. Right? No. So downtown Denver is absolutely dead. I mean, like, and like all my fields are up in Wyoming. Even when I go up there, I mean, there's nothing. It's been, it's been completely eliminated. Yeah. So like I said, like, I think the only way to really cut down a lot of that overhead or expense is you get rid of staff or you use contractors or consultants or something like that, rather than full-time staff, because then they're not paying the benefits and all this other stuff. Right. Like I actually really think that I think the, I don't know. I mean, I think the oil field is going that way. I mean, who knows, especially since, you know, we effectively COVID essentially killed the idea that we absolutely have to be in the office. Like it's yeah. good. I like working in the office. You yeah. Know, we're done. Uh, yeah. To be honest, but a lot of people don't want to, and it's not necessary all the time. And I think it's going to kind of uh, speed up, accelerate that kind of contractor type model going forward, I guess. Maybe not. I, I don't know. I think that will be a temporary thing though, Brian, because I think that, you know, we are going to see this turnaround. It happens every time we aren't in a cheap enough storage capacity on any type of renewable in order to compete with hydrocarbons. Um, should we start moving that way? Yes, I think so. But eventually you're going to get to a point where there's a competition with less people going into this industry for really good staff, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to have to offer, you know, good salaries and benefits and stuff eventually. And I think that some companies kind of see a little bit of that. They're trying to keep their best folks on staff, but you know, it's a balance, right? I'll, you know, I always wonder if right now, this might be controversial, but I always wonder if right now, if this is the conversation, the people that were building horse carriages were saying at the end of the 1800s, right? Really? I mean, honestly, like, I wonder, it's like, oh, you know, and it'll be fine. We'll get this tough pass. This thing will go away. And, you know, I mean, turn of the century is like one of the biggest companies in the U.S. was, I think it was a, a leather maker in Chicago for saddles, yeah, right? Saddle, and now, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, if I knew the future. Not the death of the oil field, but the death of the petroleum engineer, the death of the drilling and the engineer, the death of the field guy. But, but you if you look at live. But if you look at energy transitions in the past, it's been because of economics. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah, we didn't leave the Stone Age because we ran out of stones. Yeah. With better technology. That is the most profound thing you have said all day. <laughs> Stones. <laughs> so I mean, I, honestly, like I, you know, uh, you, I think the, I think was, I mean, we, uh, there's probably something. Out, I think we've seen like the lat, you know, I think we the the real good glory days of oil and gas are behind us, right? I mean, I mean, electric, you know, why say why get the degrees? Why fight and? Quite frankly, why do you work extra jobs to afford to stay in oil for that potential upside? I honestly, if I had to start all over again, I'm not particularly sure I would go do this thing. I've been, I mean, I came out and like really started working in 14. Like yeah. everybody that's 30 years old and younger, we've been in a bust our entire careers, right? I mean, honestly. Like the salaries keep getting worse. The benefits keep going down. We're fired more and more. I mean, anybody under 30 has been laid off at least once or twice out of a yeah. seven-year career, 
right? Yeah. It's so fun. Let me tell you. (laughs) And I'm not trying to complain or anything, but you know, it's just like renewables is it's happening, right? I mean, you can't stick your head in the sand forever. There is a consolidation, but renewables aren't replacing. Um, There is, I mean, we all know and an obvious here in Colorado to just transition. It's, it's taken some of it and that's fine. I think that eventually we need to get there. But that's the thing is, is that the economics in order to store all this stuff, it's not there yet. These laws that are going and I piss Catherine off all the time with this kind of stuff, but he really does. But here's the thing is, is I I think the equally asinine part of it is too, is we have all these other folks that are like not allowing, you know, hydrocarbons to be stuck in apartment buildings for boilers and stuff like that. We're going to run all electricity. It is going to work. The energy density is not there. The economics aren't there. You can't force this thing to happen above uh, ahead of time. And putting legislation in there, that isn't the way to do it either. If you really want to change it, get a more efficient battery. Make it more cost effective. That's how you're actually going to get us off of hydrocarbons, is make it cheaper to use something else consistently. Well, I think so, just what does that mean for us, though? I mean, yeah. I just don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be as fast as whatever we would like it to be. Yeah, so, I agree. I mean, yeah. I agree. I, th- I think that's why we'll still have a career. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but at the same time, like. You wouldn't advise your kids to go into oil? Well, no. <laughs> no, absolutely not. Uh, Yeah. So, yeah, and like consumption, I mean, consumption is still growing worldwide consumption, but it's slowing, you know, yeah. especially for the Western world, you know, and there's going to be a lot of that jumping up with India and China really coming into the middle class. But, you know, once they kind of make that leap in, um, you know, that's a huge chunk of population. How much more growth is there after that? And eventually we just get to kind of a plateau, you know, and the plateaus is it's hard to make I don't know. It's just, yeah. Well, then you have I, I Africa know. after that too, because you have India and China and their economies growing. And then we have the African nations. There's a huge portion of the world that doesn't have reliable and cheap energy. Yeah. So, I mean, it, there's, whether it's coming from a renewable source or whether it's coming from a hydrocarbon or more likely it's coming from a mix, it's going to be there. So, well, yeah, the question is whether it's going to be coming out of the U.S. or not. Yeah, right. That's, and that's true. a direct threat. We are in more than one oil war, and everyone should be paying attention because undermining the USD is definitely on other countries' agendas. But one of the things that you two do very well, and Brian, you particularly, is you know how to dig down and find the data that we otherwise did not have. So some of the stuff, you know, the parent-child relationships, how are frack hits affecting us, where... Where is the kitchen actually located? Where are hydrocarbons actually coming from? Saltwater disposal. I mean, all of these things are continuous questions within our unconventional sector. So I'm inclined to say that for the last five years, because of what we've seen in the last 18 months, a lot of these shops, these technical (laughs) shops, have been chasing, going down the wrong rabbit hole, chasing the wrong data, data, line of data. So what are your thoughts there? I think if, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And I think that's <laughs> most of what, I think that's what a lot of folks do. I was talking, actually, I think it's me and Matt were talking about this, yeah. right? Did y'all <laughs> just always think is because 
we landed one foot too high or too low. We get the drilling engineers got out of zone for a little bit. You know, the production engineers always think it's because we ran the wrong lift mechanism or something and the reservoir engineers or whatever, you know, but no, we're not. Hey, I'm a reservoir engineer too. Uh, So yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I forgot the question now. <laughs> well, but there's also, you know, when you when your samples cost, you know, multiple millions of dollars a pop, and how are you going to test every single little variable on a traditional method? You know, you could go through there and build out a model and try to figure that stuff out, but it's there are some things we've figured out along the way, and there's other things that we're still kind of like trying to understand what the hell's going on. Hey, I think the Brian, big thing is see this call for you being from the AAPG deep state. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, I told you you couldn't say that on the live stream. Uh, uh, no, yeah, I think part of it is too. still isn't making profit. So. Well, there's two. I mean, kind of going back to what we were saying earlier about kind of like the impact versus the effort, right? You want the highest impact for the least amount of effort, right? But is are you talking about short-term impacts or long-term impacts? And I think within each... And, you know, and I think within each organization, you know, what are people doing wrong or what are people doing right is that I think a lot of times is we lose perspective that, you know, because, you know, I'm whatever, uh, a sedimentologist, I think that we should be in this slightly more face. She's a couple feet up or down. Right. But that doesn't mean shit if we've got a terrible frack job. Right. I mean, shells took off because of completions. It wasn't because geologists suddenly realize there's oil and gas and source rocks. We knew right? it was there and for I, all along. So yeah, and, I, and I'm not, yeah, I mean, and I'm a geologist. I'm not trying to like, you know, shit on everybody's parade, but you know, like you got to put stuff into perspective, right? And I think a lot of times that takes getting outside of your kind of narrow window of, of whatever you're comfortable with. And I think for better or for worse, that's what I try to do all the time. That's why I'm, you know, not a master of anything, but, you know, know a little bit about some things <laughs> the more i learn the less i know it seems like oh that's always true so, so what is your phd on again uh geology it's yeah, uh i know that of the stratigraphic architecture of the late cretaceous in the peons basin so western colorado so essentially using the ammonites to mm, uh actually go <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> All about the, all about them little shell things. Uh, yeah. Honestly, go actually kind of back to the norm with question. a few of those papers, haven't you? Say it again. You've kind of challenged the norm with a few of those papers, though, haven't you? I don't know so much challenge the norm. It's just, I mean, going back to there's a lot of data out there, especially geology that's text based, and like just going and like my PhDs are mostly just taking the last seventy five years of work in this basin and piecing it all together and trying to make sense of the soup, you know, yeah. but that's one thing. And Matt, you know, chime up if you think I'm wrong on this, like I think in geology, we do a really poor job of documenting a lot of that data. It's gotten yes. better in the last and few years. using it too. Yeah. I mean, I submitted a paper a couple of months ago to a pretty big journal on like, we should be doing this. And they rejected it because they said, that's not possible. It's naive to think we could even do this. It's like, dude, we've been doing this for eight years. You but know, one of like the other that's company, the mindset you're fighting. Yeah, but one of the other companies I was working for, we took this large, freely available database, and then I made it so it was importable in our mapping software as pseudotops. And all it was was text parsing and getting it formatted correctly. 
but all of that data is just kind of sitting out there and it just needs to be you know usable so and sometimes yeah, getting it in the correct format is tough yeah but so. so you're saying it wasn't the the paper was rejected this idea is rejected not because it's wrong but because it takes too much work to get done Seriously, yeah. I've got the copy of the letter. It's ridiculous. We're about to resubmit it. Yeah, we're we're about to resubmit it. And like it was like, you know, it's like, oh, that thing you said we couldn't do. Here's the last hundred years of work that we've put in a SQL database that hopefully we're gonna release publicly afterwards. So yeah. um, we'll talk about that hopefully next time with Ronnie. But yeah, yeah it's 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 great. I mean, like I said, it's not just like a lot of the stuff is just low hanging fruit and people just don't want to put in the effort because it's not sexy work. I mean, a lot of, I, I work on helium, dude, a lot of helium stuff. It's like this weird little thing, but it's two or $300 in MCF. Yeah, right. I was like, helium. what you're that? working out of Wyoming. What are you doing with helium? Uh, yeah. Doing some things. <laughs> some things. Excellent. Yeah. Well, you know, across industry for a long time now, we have seen the debate of parent, child, cousin, and no one's figured it out. And I don't quite understand why no one has figured it out. Everyone has a different set of, a, you know, rhetoric, agenda, storyline, whatever you want to call it. And now it's moving into, oh, we need to remap the stress fields. That's how the, the hydrocarbons are moving. That's how the water is showing up. Uh, what the hell? Why is this still an ongoing debate and why don't we understand it? It's been worked on by almost every company on specific technical teams for almost a decade. Yeah, I mean, frack is well interference is really complex, though. I will give a lot of it as a jargon thing more often than that. I mean, so like Ali Dineshi uh, and George King, they published a paper um it was last spring trying to clear up the nomenclature once and for all uh it was them and there was a whole like group of sp professional or sp guys that did it and gals and uh it's kind of gotten adopted <laughs> but not really like and so it's just i the jargon's one thing the physics behind it are definitely up in the air <laughs> I've why? Had some... why well because you can't see it <laughs> i mean you know yeah I mean, we can you, core it you can core rock yeah, but we were talking about the, I mean, that, again, go, all right, so like well interference versus brackets, right? Like I use the term well interference. So I'm talking about uh, a fracture's already been created yeah. and we're putting pushing some sort of pressure perturbation through the system or physical perturbation through the system. I'm shutting in a well, um, bringing a well back online, um, changing the injection rate or something like that, right? Versus, you know, actual brackets is when you're actively, to me, is when you're actively creating a fracture and it's actively growing towards you and actively changing the stress. It's a dynamic, the, yeah. the physics or the, we also, the. I mean, we can core fracks. We can run, uh, was it? Uh, Fiber. Yes. Thank you. That word. Wow. A little too much. What word is that? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I mean, we're seeing more companies slowly but surely doing that and they're getting tons of data from it. So. Yeah, I mean, those things are super helpful, but at the same time, a core to that, I mean, you're talking about taking a, a core out of that is like taking a toothpick out of this desk, you know, six foot desk yeah. behind me, right? It's like, if it's really simple, then yeah, if it's if it's homogenous and isotropic, then yeah, that's more than okay, but it's just not, you know, and frankly, too, I think a lot of people don't realize, too, is like, 
you're like, oh, we're using more fluid or we're using more profit per foot or something like that. But we've also increased the lateral length. So instead of, you know, yeah. going in and putting whatever 30 or 40 barrels or whatever a foot on a 5,000 foot lateral, now we're doing it on 10,000 foot lateral. And oh yeah, we're not doing two parent wells. Now we're doing six child wells. I mean, those are enormous at, at tighter spacing, right? That's yeah. what everyone's doing. And so the implications for that, I mean, the physics, the physics is the same. But the amount of stress that you're injecting and the rate of it and the, the, the power, you know, the work, the total hydraulic work or whatever that you're doing in the system is totally different scale, I think. And I, I don't know, maybe it's just me. So it's a complex problem. I mean, people are getting yeah. it figured out. But I mean, in all honesty, it's so com- I, I think a lot of the stuff you can't model. You just got to figure out empirically, which sucks. I mean, those are very, very expensive empirical tests. But at the end of the day, my job is modeling my ideas. If you can't model it, is it even real? If it's not on Facebook, is it even real? (laughs) Well, that's the thing. Models are great. I can't upscale that. (laughs) Yeah. Models are great if you can accurately reflect the physics of what's going on. If you can't, they will lead you astray. Right. It's as simple as that. Look someone uh, you'll hear it later because it was uh it's someone that y'all both know but uh what is it he looked he looked at me and he goes Catherine you know what the easiest thing to do is lie with data if you can make it look pretty you can lie with it yeah we we've been subject to that across the field I mean that is why that a lot of people call it a Ponzi scheme and are we going to get ourselves out of said Ponzi scheme is there is there an upside for oil? I if mean, we're borrowing that much. Your your debt. Yeah. Huh? I said, if you're borrowing that much against your, you know, your reserves, that's not actually drilled up yet. And then you, you look at, uh, if it's a first generation well, and you think that you're going to get 12 of them into that section. Yeah. And you borrowed against it. You, there's a problem there, but I don't know. I don't think that it's truly a Ponzi scheme because Ponzi, you know, it involves, intent to deceive right and there's a big change in how we understand you know these things actually perform compared to three years ago it's like i heard somewhere it's like it's not illegal to be dumb (laughs) (laughs) i mean i think think certain people do that daily i think that's you know yeah yeah i i see what you're saying there matt if it's intentional yeah yeah it's interesting (laughs) Well, I don't know, Brian, what, what are you two, both of y'all, the geologists, the petro and geology, like, what are you two seeing that's catching y'all's attention and making you stop and, you know, think a little harder about the future of our industry? How would you take it, Matt? <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Natru- nat- you know what? Natural gas in the long run in the 20 year is going to be much more valuable, I think, than what it is now. And it will make a lot of these tight gas prospects worth it. Um, there's still a lot of deeper gas, dry gas plays that are beneath assets that have, you know, reasonable PDP. Uh, that there's a lot of potential still there. And if you can get them at low prices, then why wouldn't you? You know, because I don't think that we're going to see it, you know, that negative 25 sustained more than just a few hours ever. Um, and that was more speculators you know not being able to take delivery on an actual product they wanted just the the paper right or the electronic paper 
So are you saying there's going to be a rebirth of gas assets and not the way it was because we're way more efficient at producing it. We're way more efficient at producing it than we were when we saw those giant gas prices. But, you know, I think that, you know, on the 40, 50 year spectrum, we're going to see a lot less liquids used for transportation in this country. We're going to see a, a drop in demand for that to a point. It's still going to be used for bases, for chemicals and everything else. And the global energy market's just going to keep growing. So I'm an optimist. We know this. But wow. how are we I, even friends? Good question. <laughs> Brian, Put your mask on, Catherine. Hell no. <laughs> it's an airborne virus, Catherine. Do you not care about other people? No. Oh, Lord. Oh Lord! I know he's so he's so trying to trigger me right now. Ryan, what are you seeing? I mean, I wouldn't go in front of a private equity group right now and start pitching the idea of dry gas plays. Hell, I wouldn't go in front of in front of private equity right now for anything. I'm I mean I'm a part of the group that believes hold out till twenty Q two twenty twenty one and you know pray you make it. I disagree. Right now, I would I love right now to get to buy. Yeah, now's the time to buy. I yeah. like I said, I'm working with some folks right now that we're trying to find some stuff to buy. Where are you, you know, looking? It's kind of a personal question, don't you think? <laughs> uh, That's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, personal questions or asking personal questions. I we yeah. can switch to personal <laughs> I, questions. Y'all generated enough comments from all the <laughs> listeners so far. So. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we got. I don't know. I mean, I think. Yeah, I, I, I'd love to go buy some vertical stuff right now. Like, honestly, I mean, now's the time to buy on stuff. But like, where's it going forward? Man, honestly, I can't remember. Where I read this. I, I want to say it was like Malcolm Gladwell was talking, was talking about like how the NBA looks now versus the NBA looked in the '70s, right? Yeah. And how hyper competitive sports have become over the last 30 or 40 years. And I think as you know, we get these kind of oil prices have been staying down. It's getting more and more competitive. I think that's we're starting to see that this it's a more competitive industry, I think, than mm -hmm. when I started back in 2011. And wow. I think Half these companies that exist can't exist below $50. I mean, they just can't. Some can't. Yeah. I mean, but I, no. I don't know. I, I still think most of what's going to be happening is just consolidation. Uh, I mean, sure, there's going to be some folks out there trying to start new companies right now, trying to do some wildcat stuff. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, we've got what, 10, 15, 20 years of drilling inventory on stuff that's proven right now. You know, maybe it doesn't much make as much money as we'd like it to. Uh, but I mean, you know, I see most operators. I mean, they have more, or, you know, they've got more inventory than they got money to drill it, in all yeah. honesty. And so why would you go to try to buy another, you know, start up another multi hundred million or billion dollar asset when you've got one lying right in front of you. I mean, you that's just lower, me though. I mean, there's plenty of companies that'll do it. Buy up something or something you already have and just do a good EOR program on it. It's not yeah. sexy, but it makes money. Yeah, I, I think I think most of it's going to, like I said, I think most of what's about to happen is um, acquisitions. It's going to be everyone coring up. You know, bolting on all that stuff in the independence, right? In the shell game. And yeah. then all the marginal areas, I think, is going to go back to a lot of strip oil companies, you know, because it seems like a lot of these guys are, or a lot of these companies are selling some of this marginal stuff out to where, you know, you got to 
four person team or something like that, you can make money, but not when you have a hundred person. Maybe, I don't know. I, I feel like it's, everything is just kind of redistributing a little bit, maybe. I do think you're going to see some analysis and people going back and looking at recompletes on stuff, too. So um, there's definitely some of that early. No, no, but hold on. If you look at some of those curves, some of that earlier stuff, it, it they didn't get everything that was there, right? And that's, well, that's super low cost. That's not a recomplete, truly. Well, that's but a track. How's that? Okay, fine. But you see what I'm saying. There's more yeah. potential in assets that don't take as much or much capital in order to get online. Interesting. Well, guys, we're seeing a weird social movement. And I know that we are, you know, wrapping up here. But for those companies that are announcing they're not going to build AI software for the oil and gas community and they're not going to partake in sort of our data and analytics and science aspect of our industry. I mean, we are the energy industry and we resonate across all other platforms. So just leaving us, what do you think is going to happen in terms of engagement and how, you know, how we as an industry come out of this with our heads held high? You're talking about the, uh, the Google announcement. That's one of them. All they said though, is I don't know which, there was a political organization, I believe it was Greenpeace, that said that- Of course it was. They, well, I don't know, I don't recall which one actually did it, but they put out an article basically saying that these tech companies, um, them working with oil and gas was not in line with what their their goals were. Or their, yeah, their, their climate goals. goals. Yep. Climate goals. And all Google said, if you read the article, is that they weren't going to write custom algorithms for the oil and gas or hydrocarbon energy industry they didn't say that we couldn't use their services or anything no, else no, so no, was it that. was it an actual statement well i don't know like that's actually the, the way they're going to move or was it a, a placation so they can still get money from us for you know using their cloud computing services it was but a safe base with other ones you what it was a purposeful dissociation yeah yeah we are smart enough to figure this stuff so out so there's a question you're asking is like, what do we think of how we should engage with the public? Yes. Oh, uh, uh, you need to take a sip from your Whataburger. Yeah, you can. I, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I, I, I think part of it is like what we've already been doing in Colorado for the last 10 years, right? Is, is going on just, yeah, exactly. I mean, that's yeah. a lot of it. I mean, I think part of it is too, is like, um, yeah, it's be a good neighbor. I mean, and not be embarrassed with what you do and not yeah. try to make everything damn political, dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. oh my gosh. And what like, else I stay arguing with people about. I, yeah, well, yeah, just don't. Maybe just work on something else, you know? It's like, why yeah. do we need to argue about this crap all the time? You know, it's like, it's my hat. Yeah, I saw it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just like, I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't get, I get on LinkedIn a lot, but like, a, for technical stuff, but a lot of this is just like going out and engaging people doesn't work if you go out and be an asshole when you engage them, right? Yeah. You're only making it worse. Zach and is right. AWS does water money. What's that? Zach says, who cares about Google? Amazon was like, we'll take your money. Yeah. AWS yeah, is exactly. definitely, they've been courting us for a while. Yeah. yeah I don't want to hackathon and all that stuff. They're champs. So, so I don't know. I mean, I think there's a lot of folks to what you're saying there, Brian. I think there's a lot of folks in the middle that like, you know, they they have to put fuel in their car. They want to keep their house warm, all this other stuff. 
But then again, they they don't know what to believe on one side or the other because a lot of our news sources have gotten so politicized. And I think that real conversations from somebody that they actually know, they may listen to a little bit more than, you know, just some advocate that's trying to get them to sign some piece of paper or petition on the street, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like, it's the difference between saying, oh yeah, when someone asks what you do, I work in oil and gas. Like, mm-hmm. what you do? I work in oil and gas, right? Yeah. I mean, tone, yeah. tone changes a lot of things, yeah. you know? And I think honestly, a lot of the stuff I don't know. I used to do like pretty involved with like kind of the Jeffco energy action stuff and all that. And it's pretty amazing. I mean, a lot of the times it seems like a lot of people just go to that stuff on both sides, not just anti oil and gas, but also oil and gas would go to these things just to yell at people. And like, that's not helping anybody just stay home. (laughs) I mean, in all honesty, like just, you know, just do the right thing. I don't know why that's so difficult to be honest. You know, well, it makes you feel better. I've never gone for the sake of yelling at someone, but I also go back down. Very There's good. a lot of people that do, though. I quit oh, doing that. Right, you're accurate. Just for the sake of yelling, what are you going to solve? We haven't seen anything get solved for screaming at each other. Well, guys, we are wrapping up. Um, are there any parting words of wisdom? Any projects you see coming up that you are you would encourage people to keep their eye on? Maybe something you're working on that's got you excited. Yeah, we're doing a, a few more courses and partnering with some other local organizations um, for providing free applied data science courses for the energy industry. So keep an eye on LinkedIn for those. Yeah, so. I guess for me, I'm uh, I'm going to be teaching a spot fire short course here in August in Fort Worth. So if you're interested, I'm going to doing a bunch of those. And then I'm going to be releasing a whole bunch of data sets and publications towards the end of the summer, too. So. Again, I can't really talk about them now, but earlier this week, I'm sorry. Didn't you just do something earlier this week? As far as releasing data stuff? No, you did some sort of talk, right? Uh, not this week. I don't not think so. Week. Never mind. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, you know, like I said, if you need data stuff or frack hits, hopefully, like I said, you know, I got a lot of things going on. So hopefully by the time we get Ronnie back in here. Ronnie in here, uh, he'll talk about a lot more. That one will be entertaining too. Have your babies, Brian. It's about time. (laughs) Thanks, Craig. Most people (laughs) run away from him. It's the mustache. (laughs) Or sleeping. You don't look like an axe murderer now that you have hair again. I know. Bald Brian is a scary Brian. Well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I really appreciate it. I love y'all's unfiltered opinion and where everything's going. I can't wait, Brian, to get you and Ronnie back on here. So everyone stay, uh, check out our LinkedIn's and stay in tune to what when that's happening. But this has been so much fun. Thanks for all your insight. Uh, check us out on LinkedIn, the Crude Audacity podcast. We did just post a Hacker Village free uh, Python webinar that will be happening on the 30th of this month. So everyone, you know, best of luck out there. We understand it's hard and we understand that these conversations are the best opportunity for everyone to make best steps forward. So guys, thanks so much. (laughs) This was so fun. Peace out. Bye guys. See you guys. Hold on, one more thing before you go. If today's episode brought you any sort of value, go online, rate, review, subscribe.
Also, if you have any topics or influencers you would like us to feature, you can get in touch with us via Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, or the website at www.thecrudeaudacity.com. Thanks so much for your engagement, and until next week, give them hell.